Most studio owners decide to open their fitness and wellness businesses because they want to help people and add more meaning into their lives. Their heart is in the right place, they're great people, but scaling a profitable business that feels incredible to own and run is trickier than ever before. So where they get stuck is no one's ever shown them how to run a wildly successful business without the overwhelm and the chaos. Plus, they're doing it all alone. Until now. Welcome to the Geronimo Unfiltered Podcast for ambitious boutique studio owners who are allergic to average and know they're capable of more. They're just missing the how. I'm Dozer, your host, CEO and founder of the Geronimo Academy, and together with my crew and my community of owners and managers who are the doers and the implementers, we are on a mission to pioneer a better way to own and operate a health and fitness business while building a life you love, not hate. So if you're ready to push the boundaries, level up your money, meaning and impact, and stop doing it alone, then you're in the right place. This is going to be raw and unfiltered, zero bullshit. So take a deep breath, strap yourself in, and let's get fucking started. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Geronimo podcast. Something a little bit different today. The big dog's reclining on the lounge, so you're stuck with me, and I'm here with Soph today. Yeah. Hey, guys. <laughs> this is going to be a good one, Soph. For everyone out there, what, what do you do right now for Geronimo? I'm the senior growth coach in Geronimo, so I help owners and managers within our academy to grow their studios and make sure that they're focused on what they need to be doing so that, yeah, that growth happens. I'm literally... KPI'd on their revenue growth and success. Love that. Okay. And how long have you been working for us for? Oh my gosh. Uh, since 2018. Since 2018. February 20, no, maybe not, 2019. I've been in your world since 2018, but I've been working with you guys for how many years is that? That's five years. Five years. Yeah. In Geronimo since full-time 2020 November. So let's dive back. Let's dive back. That's what you do for us now. I want to hear a bit more about what got you into our world? Mm. What got you to step foot in F45 Glebe back in 2018? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, this is going to be a deep, deep episode. I want to share my story because I want to help people and I also want to reconnect anyone who is an owner or manager. I want to reconnect them back to why what they're doing is so important. So You're unfiltered, so you got full permission. Yep. All right, here goes. So I guess it would be important to just paint that from a young age. I had a great childhood. I have a very loving family. We're all very, very close. So from a young age, I always did feel really misunderstood. I was always bigger. I was always taller. And I was smarter than the average people in my class. So I was always told, no, you're different. You're special. You're this, you're that. And to be honest, you know, it was a positive thing. If you said that to someone now, it's probably a compliment. Mm. But to me- uh, When did this all start? Is this like kindergarten or is this high school? I remember, yeah. So a little Sophie, who was a sensitive little soul, I just felt like that was a bad thing and I was different and I had this otherness. So I was, there was something wrong with me. Mm. Um, so I was super shy, super introverted. I loved learning and that was great. But because I was bullied and set apart because of my, I wasn't that much bigger, like reflecting on it, but kids are mean. And I, I just felt like, yeah, I was the worst thing in the world. I didn't really know how to handle those big emotions at such mm. a young age. So even though I loved learning and I loved school and I was always told like how well I was doing, yeah, I probably skipped a lot more of school than the average kid would just because I would, I'd feel sick before going to school knowing what was ahead. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, that was kind of my younger years and experience. But I guess things changed a little bit more towards the the teenage years around 
16 or 17. So I'd gone through all of my schooling. I'd changed schools several times to try and take control of that kind of situation. Mm. And throughout those years, I had like anxiety, depression, all the fun things from a very young age, seen a lot of different specialists to try and help with that. But yeah, around 16 or 17, I was doing my HSC. I was young to be doing it because I'd skipped a year. Wow. To try and get me into a group of people who I would be able to resonate with a little bit more. And that helped. But yeah, look, I put a lot of pressure on myself to succeed academically because I felt like I was failing in all other areas as like a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, yeah, I must have been 16 and I was hospitalized for anxiety and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I had this lump in my throat that just never went away. And we did all of these tests and it all kind of just came to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And we just needed to find an answer. I didn't realize that it was because of anxiety at the time. But what they found was, you know, like when you go to cry mm. and you get was a little Was it a physical lump? It was a muscle that had not relaxed because it was like I was, I was always in that state. So, yeah, things kind of were pretty bad for me at that stage. I still did really well in my HSE. I was say, is that, is that all happening in your 12? Yeah, it was like year 11, year 12. But I suppose it just paints a picture like that was, you know, your formative years. I, I just remember sitting in my room while my sister was, you know, out with her friends and I would, I would take comfort in food. Mm. So I have vivid memories of doing that from a very young age. And I didn't realise that I was doing it until... I started to turn, you know, 16, 17, 18, and we were in front of more medical professionals to figure out what was going on with me. That like my anxiety had started to develop physically. Mm. So that was the lump in the throat. So then I was put on meds for that. And by the time I'd finished my HSE, I was just like, get me the hell out of here. I was from a small country town, nothing wrong with it. Shout out to Paul Macquarie. Shout out. I love it up there. But I had this plan from the age of 16 or 17 that as soon as I could, I was going to leave and I was going to rewrite my story and I was going to prove everyone wrong. Okay. So then so, that brings you to Sydney. Did you have any friends down here or did you just end up yeah, by yourself? I had one or two friends who came up, but I was living on my own in a small little like uni village, a small studio apartment. It was really dark. I spent a lot of my time there and that's where I got into a really, really bad cycle. It was super toxic. Mm. So what that would look like is feeling negatively about myself and my body, my situation. And so I developed a binge eating disorder. I didn't know what it was then. I thought that there's just something completely wrong with me. I couldn't explain it, but I would get into a cycle of feeling negatively or feeling a bad emotion and then using food to cover that up. And so what happens is you literally black out. It's like you don't know what happens. But it's this numbness of just eating all of this food in massive amounts and switching off. And I was doing that to the extent where like I was a broke uni student. Mm. I would overdraw my account every single week. I had Centrelink payments, like for study payments. I would overdraw that every single week to buy food. And I would sit in my room and I would get into this negative cycle of, yeah, binging, purging, feeling negatively restricting, and then because I had that negative emotion and I was restricting again to make up for it, the cycle would continue and I just felt like I was in this downward spiral. Something's wrong with me. Like I must be the only person in the world that does this. It's doing that, yeah. How, how long was this going on for, Soph? It started definitely when I was around 15, but it really escalated. Around but how, how long in Sydney is this? Around 18, yeah. So I moved when I was 17 because I wanted to get out of there. Um, and then I, I was probably doing that for a good six to eight months. 
Um, I was still on my anxiety meds at this time and there was a point where I just didn't like what they were doing to my body and I just felt like I needed to change something. So on medical advice, I was told to just like go off from cold turkey, which was the worst decision. I felt like I was dying. I had brain zaps. I had to move home for a couple of weeks and actually come off them properly later to find out that you can literally be left with seizures forever if you do that the wrong way. So yeah, I just wasn't getting the help that I needed because I wasn't even aware that this was the problem that I had. And so I was just a young 18-year-old trying to get through a random degree that I'd chosen. But yeah, it was a dark time for me sitting in my room and in this vicious cycle of feeling negatively. And I, it's so shameful. Like I was so ashamed. I couldn't tell anyone. So yeah, I, uh, I kind of recognized, okay, I have a problem. And I, was, I must have been Googling or something to realize I had binge eating disorder and bulimia. And I still didn't know what to do with that though. Yeah, I remember f- I was feeling really lonely in that. So I used to record videos of myself just talking as though it was like a virtual diary because I feel like deep down to my core, I knew one day that I would get better and I wanted to have that documented so that I could share it. Have you gone I- back and watched them? It's really hard for me to yeah. watch them. I haven't shared it. I haven't really spoken to anyone about it, but I, yeah, it's just like when I do see a glimpse of those documentations, I um I don't recognize her mm-hmm. anymore. I, I just feel really really bad for her. So uh, what? Yeah, this. what what changed? How do you break the cycle? Or is this like Travis' story? Does it get worse again? No, it got to a really dark place. And if I had have continued on that road, yeah, I was depressed. Mm-hmm. I thought about killing myself often, and I just felt really stuck. Like I'm worthless and I'm unlovable. And um, I'm not good enough and I'll never break through this. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just felt really lost. And um, what's it even all for? Because the the blackout into like it's not very nice, like physically purging, wasting all this money, account overdrawn, like that's really where I was at. At 18, I just felt like this massive failure. So I went home for one of the holiday breaks and I was I was so ashamed of the size that I'd gotten to. I'd stepped on the scales and I had hit my highest weight ever and I just felt like I need to do something. Like when I go home, I'm in this situation and I can't be in this situation and also have no plan. I need to reassure my parents who are going to be worried that yeah, I have on that, I'm going to on do that. about it. So a lot of this is obviously the massive internal dialogue here. Like yeah. what are people seeing on the surface of it? Like in your tutorial groups at uni, what are they seeing? What are your friends seeing? What are your parents seeing and your sister? Yeah, I pr- lied to pretty much everyone, pretended I was okay. I mean, parents know, but I never let on that that was happening for me. I never talked about the eating disorder, even when I was younger and I would hide foods in my room or I would sneak food into my room so I could eat it all and and not have anyone worry about me. Yeah, I just never let on that that was a problem for me. My two friends that I had there at the time, I like I didn't let on. I just I just pretended I was okay. We're all good. Um they would have seen me getting bigger and it wasn't like I was thriving and like my most energetic self, but I think yeah, I just pretended all the way through and I was super introverted at uni going to tutorials and stuff. I didn't really talk to anyone. I didn't connect. I just, I wasn't having the uni experience that I'd really dreamed of that I thought I'm going to go and prove everyone wrong. I got great grades, but it didn't really mean anything to me when I was sitting in my room knowing that there was like a uni party going on, but I didn't feel confident enough Mm -hmm. to go and I didn't feel like anyone would want me there because of my size. Okay. So you, you go to port, you're on the scales, you're having a bit of a moment and then what happened then? Yeah. 
It was almost like um, a moment where I just went, I need to do something about this and I can't continue down this path. And so I was talking to mum, just saying like, I, I don't know what to do. It was like a low point. Like I could have been picked up off the floor. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I do have a problem. And that was such a hard thing for me to do because you can imagine like someone who through all of my younger years, like I had this big secret I was hiding from everyone and I didn't talk about it. I I hid in my room and I ate. That's how I handled my problems. I numbed it. I blacked out. That's what happens when someone binges. And so to finally admit that I had a problem was super, super scary. And especially because I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know. I didn't even know really what the problem was or why I was doing that. Um, mum's like the most kind and supportive soul ever. She is like an action woman. So if something's not working, we'll find a way to make it work. Yep. So she goes, all right, like I said, for some reason, I'm going to try keto. We'll just, I don't know. I'm just going to try it. So <laughs> yeah. another diet. Carbs are the enemy. Yeah. I tried pretty much every diet under the sun by that point anyway. And I didn't know if it was going to work. I just thought this is what I have to tell everyone I'm going to do to reassure them that I'm going to be okay. And I didn't really have a plan. It was just like a moment where I said that. So mum said, all right, I'll help you. I'll look for a gym so you can go and have some community and meet young people and like start to move your body just to help with your mental health and where you're currently at. So I was like, you wouldn't think it now because of who I am now, but I was even in such a bad place that you couldn't catch me calling someone to try and like set up an appointment at a gym or anything like that. I couldn't talk to people on the phone. It was not good. So mum called two different F45s. One of them was Newtown. One of them was Glebe. And she must have spoken to Pip on the phone at the time. She said, <laughs> "Shout out to Pip. Pip <laughs> yeah. closed that sale for sure. She did. So mum said, she, she actually said, oh, you know, she said, that there were a lot of um, students there, so that's good. Actually, she swore a lot. So it's a trend well. Yeah. Uh, but she's like, yeah, there was a shit ton of students down there. <laughs> so mum said, look, I don't know, even though she swore um, a lot, I think that you should try this one. So it was literally like like a sliding door moment and I ended up going back down to Sydney and I walked into Glebe. And I remember, and I still have a photo of that first session because there was a flag out the front of the garage door. I had tried F45 before when I was much younger, but it was, yeah, again, in a really restrictive, negative way. And so I remember I took like a Snapchat of it because I was using it that back then. <laughs> Embarrassing. And it was like, good to be back. Anyway, I went in and I was just welcomed with like the biggest smiles and it was a Wednesday, so cardio of all things. I remember finishing on that sled track and feeling like I was going to cry because I was so proud of myself. Mm. And Pip and Annie were there and they're like, you killed that. Like, have you done sports before or something like that? I was like, lol, absolutely not. But yeah, they made me feel really welcomed and like I belonged there. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So obviously it wasn't as simple as one session, but no. that was the first step on the path, yeah? It was, yeah. And so I signed up straight away for six months and that was that. Like I trained consistently five times a week. I remember vividly like training and then I'd go across the road and I was one day sitting at like the bus stop because I'd done some grocery shopping at Broadway and I'd call mum after every session with all these endorphins, which is obviously really reassuring for her. And I remember saying to her, I feel like I'm becoming a better person. I can be a better person for the world now because I'm doing this. Mm. So I felt unstoppable when I did those sessions. Like the real talk there is if I didn't walk into that studio on that day, then I don't think I would be here. 
That's crazy. Like, was it the training alone and the community that that got you through it? Like, medically, was there some stuff happening as well? Or, like, did F45 Glee literally save you? I didn't even, like, I know this therapy came later. Mm. And I've done a lot of it. (laughs) Thank God. Like, yeah, it was just the training that I was doing at that point in time. I lived close by, so I was walking to and from the studio. That was, like, my daily ritual and routine. And when I'd done that, it spun me into a, a much healthier lifestyle. So I was showing up better for myself and for others. And even though I was still really shy, like I didn't really connect with anyone in the community, it was the first place where, you know, I said before I felt really misunderstood from a young age. I was bullied. I'd never had a best friend. I never had close friends that, you know, we all connected and went out and were whatever. This was the first place where I felt understood and like I belonged and that I was valued mm. there. Yeah. And that people would care if I didn't show up. It's humbling to hear that as an owner of that gym that, you know, the through Dozer and I were, were able to make that kind of impact on you. And there's, I'm sure there's like hundreds of other stories like yours out there that we probably don't ever hear. Yeah. Ever will. But yeah, it's, um, that's quite humbling to hear that. That studio saved my life. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. So I literally always left feeling on top of the world. I only ever remember literally one session. Mm-hmm. That I was like, oh, that was kind of shit. <laughs> One. <laughs> anyway, no. So Pitt, like all of that crew saved me. I I am forever grateful to that generation of coaches that felt like Pip would invite me into the events and I was like, oh my God, she actually cares if I'm going to come or not. She would ask me what I'm doing that day. Like those small things mattered so much to me because I wasn't getting that from anywhere else. I didn't feel like I deserved it. What I'm hearing here is, yeah, like the effort from that first conversation, be it, you know, the the other gym or ours, like you picked up on that and then all those little micro moments along the way, you know, like it'd be so easy for, you know, a lead just to walk into a gym and just walk into a session and then just walk out and nothing would change, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I never felt like that. Yeah, I remember even the the hot spots, the fact that like Connor would write my name onto the whiteboard and he'd push me and he'd set a target for me and then I'd hit it. Like that moment just felt so energizing for me. It was like oxygen Mm. for me that I would walk out and I would feel like I'd accomplished something and that maybe I wasn't so worthless in the world. Like maybe I could actually do more than I thought. Okay, so that brings you to F45 Glebe. Uh-huh. So how the hell did you become a trainer, a head trainer, a growth coach oh, from, this from there? This is a story. Okay, so I trained there for nine months. I lost 25 kilos. I had a whole new identity. I felt amazing. I had so much confidence. I had to buy a whole new wardrobe of clothes. And for the first time, it wasn't bigger clothes. It was smaller ones. I had to move home like for uni break. And my one rule was that when I moved back down to Sydney, it had to be within walking distance to that gym. That's how important it was. Yeah, I love that. So anyway, I set up this Instagram called Sophie's Wellness to document my journey because I was so into it. It was like my new identity. This was like who I was now. And I was talking to my friend who were training at the F45 there I was talking to my friend that I'd now made and she's from Port Macquarie too. And we're like, I don't, I just don't want to go back and get like a bar job. It's not really in alignment with who I am now. Mm, yep. And she goes, well, why don't you just do your, your PT sets and get a job at a gym? I was like, oh my God, this is such a great idea. I went straight home. I researched. I was like, I don't even care. I never in a million years thought I would get a job at F45 Glebe because it was like 
to me. It was like on such a pedestal, I still didn't feel like I belonged there as a coach or I felt like I didn't deserve to be at that level yet because I wasn't quite certified and whatever. <laughs> anyway, I, so I was like, you know, I'll get a job at like a shittier, smaller studio that was unimportant. It wasn't making the impact that Glebe was. Anyway, so excited. And I was like, just started this, I enrolled. And then on the Glebe Instagram, which mum followed because she loves seeing all of the the stuff that, that you guys are doing that I was doing. You guys posted like a, we are hiring. And in that ad, there was nothing about qualifications. It said like, it was all about the character. If you're passionate, if you're this, if you're that, then just apply. So I remember pacing around the dining room table on my phone, freaking out like, oh, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? And mum was like, you have to, you have to do this. So I dropped into the commas DM, look about it at the time. And I went, hey, I saw your ad. I'm not qualified yet, but I've just enrolled. I'm wondering if there's any positions for like people who are just like looking for ex- like experience mm. and getting their hours up or whatever. I'd love to get involved. I've gone on this journey. I've actually lost 25 kilos now and I've kept my training up while I've been away. And here's Sophie's wellness. And mom said like, that's your resume. Mm, that cool. Instagram account is your resume. Yeah. So yeah, he said whatever he said, like, let's chat when you get back. And I didn't know this, but apparently he showed Dozer and Dozer was like, who? (laughs) Sophie? (laughs) Who's Sophie? Anyway, they gave me a crack and I could go into heavy detail about like the little moments there, like getting my first coach's shirt, like those moments Mm -hmm. meant so much to me because I was now, I had proven everyone wrong. I had found somewhere that I belong and I was about to do that for other people. Awesome. So is that like literally what drove you, like recreating that moment for every new member who walked in the door? Yeah, yeah. 100%. That's cool. Like that place meant so much to me that I couldn't believe that they let me in as a coach <laughs> and that I was now a part of the team on the other side. Yeah. All right. So you got your coach's shirt. Yeah. Tell me about the moment that you got your manager's shirt. Okay. Well, I think it's also important to say like my first shift, I thought I was killing it. I was on the roller hot spot right under the chin-up bars. Mm-hmm. And so everyone was coming to me. My job was just to get everyone's name, set them a target. Thought I was killing it. But little did I know, everyone was like, is she on mute? She's so quiet. Is she okay? So it took a lot of work and development and I was like so open and I was like, tell me what I need to do. I want to do like a great job here. And anyway, I was shy Sophie still at that point until I remember like a 9.30 class I was forced to take myself, which was like- That was actually meant to be the the quiet class, by the way. The (laughs) 9.30 is the quiet one, but anyway, I'm glad you found your voice then. They were in like the dungeon (laughs) on the dressal table (laughs) at the gym doing work. And I remember Annie saying like, okay, so I had taken this class, first one on my own, usually very quiet, but then- I don't know. I just had to. I was like, I became psycho Soph and I was yelling. I was like coordinating, choreographing the room. I was owning the room. And I remember Annie said like the smile on Doza's face as soon as he heard my voice. Yeah. Everyone knows that smile. He's like, it's worked. So yeah, I, I developed as a coach first. And I think, yeah, the members really resonated with me because I understood how it felt. I remember conversations where people would say like, thank you. Like you understand that it's not that easy to do it. Just do chin-ups on the bar. Just use the black band. It's like, I have a lot of weight on my body and it's not actually as easy as like you, sir, who has um, been a PT their whole life, basically. So I understood how it felt and I could connect with them on that level. And I think they also respected the fact that I'd been on that journey and I'd done it in that studio. So that was good. And then I actually like slept through, I've only done this once. I slept through my alarm to open up the 5am class like one week I was mortified I think it was 
like my fifth or sixth 4 a.m. in a row, but I was like, this is a disaster. Luckily, it didn't like interrupt the class at all because the other coach arrived early. I called Dozer and I was like, I'm so sorry. It will never happen again. Like I completely owned it. Anyway, the next week, Annie called me. She was the captain of the studio at the time. And she goes, okay, so can you come and meet Dozer and I at the studio? I wasn't on shift or anything. I was like, oh, Oh, shit. I fucked it. (laughs) I thought I was about to get fired. And the suspense was killing me. I walked in all timid and I sat down. We were just like sitting on the BOSUs and then Dozer was on the phone to you. So it took so long. I was just sitting there like awkwardly like, what the fuck's going on? Like, I need to know. Anyway, the story was Annie's leaving. We want you to be studio captain. Boom. That was the conversation. Were you expecting that? I was not expecting it. And while I was sad that she was leaving, I was like, I couldn't hold back how excited I felt that, oh my gosh, like, is this happening? And I was like, I have no idea how to be a captain. How does that work? But yeah, I'm up for it. Let's do this. Let's go. So I made a huge decision to put uni on pause because this was my passion. This was where I, again, where I belonged. It's where I knew I could add value. It's where I could be someone and actually like create an impact and so I put that on pause and became the manager and just like got stuck right in. Fuck, I love that. What's your message for the owners out there right now for how they think about members, how they think about their team? Yeah, I want this episode to be about the fact that you might be exhausted, you might be going through the motions, you might be stressed about this or that within your business. Do not forget who you're doing it for. The person who's about to walk in at 6am, they have a story just like mine. Mm. And they are more than just a member. So you need to be more than just a gym. Huge. This is going mental. Yeah. I, why do they do that? Why do these owners do what they do? It's for them. You guys are the life changers, your life savers. Literally. Yeah. And never forget it. Mm. Never forget it. Yeah. I'll shout that from the rooftops. Like when owners are not implementing or they're not doing this or they're making it about themselves, like you have a duty to help these people. They've come to you for that reason. And I bet there's people that are shy Sophies within your community who have a similar story that is yet to be uncovered. And you can literally have the chance to save someone's life as an owner. Yeah. That's what you guys do. But only if you're willing and, you know, (laughs) you don't get distracted with things that don't matter. Yeah. Ultimately, like I, I do it for them. I don't do it for the owners. I love you guys. I love you guys, but I don't actually care about making you money as much as I care about what that allows you to do with your members in making a huge impact. Because like, if I can do what you guys did for me through those studios, I know I've done a great job. I'm proud of that. Yeah, 100%. That's why I get up every day. That's why You know, people will probably see me as like, okay, who's this 23-year-old? And like, I don't think I'm just some 23-year-old that knows everything there is to know about business, but I do know everything about being a member in a studio and needing that lifeline and that support and needing to have an experience that lives up to what you're going through. It's such a unique perspective to have. So, you know, when when I'm speaking to people on the way into Geronimo, you know, I talk about the program, the leads and sales, all that kind of rubbish, but one of the big selling points I have is like the person who's going to be coaching you, Sophie, I go, she's just not some coach we found on a website. Like, mm. and she wasn't just like a manager. She was a member. She's been through the whole journey with us. And a lot of the stuff that she's going to be teaching you, she actually like made that up with us. It's like such a great perspective. 
Yeah, it's exactly right. Like it's all of those small things that it's often overlooked by an owner or a manager that are the most important. Like I talked about hotspots, knowing my name, caring what I was doing that day, making me feel like I belonged, cheering me on. That's the stuff that your members aren't getting anywhere else. And while, yeah, again, like I am not the most qualified person in the world at like, (laughs) I don't know, crunching the numbers, for example, I know exactly how it feels to be that person that's about to walk into your studio at 6am and what they need. All right. So let's blend this off. What's the take? What's the one big nugget for these owners to take away in their teams so that the next time a quiet Sophie sort of Mm. knocks on their door or drops into their Slack channel as a lead? How do these guys honour that opportunity? Yeah, I think I want to first say like if someone who has stumbled upon this episode is going through something that I have in the past, definitely reach out for help. Don't feel the shame that comes with it. It's The shame is there to keep you in that cycle. I just remember in my experience going through therapy that if I had someone walk into my gym, if that like older version of myself walked into my gym, walked up those stairs and said, here's what's going on and I need help, I wouldn't judge her. I wouldn't feel like she's disgusting or like she doesn't deserve to be here. I would take her hand, I would hug her and I would say, you belong here. Like, it's okay. Let's do this together. So for anyone who is experiencing it, I don't even know. It's hard to know what to say to someone who's going through that. You can't really receive help until you're ready, but there is nothing wrong with you and you do belong. And all you need to do is just like take that first step of saying to someone that you need help. Yeah. And there's probably a space out there for you where where you're going to fit in, where you're going to feel loved and supported and welcomed, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you're capable of more than you think. To the owner or manager out there, let this serve as a reminder to you about why you do what you do. Let yourself never forget in the moments where things get tough or you're complaining or this or that, who can you connect with in your community right now that needs you? And I guess stop focusing on all the bullshit and all the rubbish. (laughs) Your members deserve more from you. They deserve better. And you could have a huge impact on people who really are struggling right now through your studio. You have this vehicle to make such a huge impact. And to be honest, you wouldn't need all these leads and sales and all of this if you were just like, if you were meaning more to the members. We always said your members are more than just members, so you need to be more than just a gym. And if you're still focusing on the reps, the sets, the buzzers, whatever, like it's the wrong place to put your focus. And like, what if you could save someone's life? Mic drop. That's so powerful. So thank you for for your story. Thank you for the last five or so years with us as well. It's been a great ride. And the, and the cool thing is that the does not know it's, we're just at the start of our journey with you, but yeah, thank you for walking through those doors five years ago and, and signing up. No, like I have no words to explain how grateful I am that it's almost like fate that I did go to your studio instead of, I could have just as easily gone to the other option and not had that experience and not been here. And I suppose like, yeah, as a follow-up to what I've just said to owners and managers, don't be that second studio. Yeah, don't miss the opportunity. But yeah, I'm really grateful that now we were talking before about how I was part-time in Geronimo, part-time at the studio and Dozer and I were talking about my future, what do I want to do? And he said, you can keep impacting and doing an amazing job with those 330 members or at the age of 21, you can help 330,000 of them in nine different countries and reach so many more of the Sophies out there. And so that's what I'm going to continue to do. Love that. Well, thank you for sharing your story, Soph. Thank you. All right. And we'll catch everyone next time. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If something resonated with you, then do one of two things. Either leave a review or send this episode to a mate who's in the industry who might need to hear this. But if you want more right now because your head might be spinning and you're like, all right, those, that, what the hell do I do right now? Then in the show notes, you'll find a link to where you can book in for a free 15-minute checkup on your studio where we get to have a look at how you're going right now and where some of the kind of quick win opportunities are to get you moving faster. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And if you're listening to this right now, I want you to know that I love you, I appreciate you, I'm grateful for you, and I'm in your corner. You are on the right track, and I believe in you. So keep going, and I'll see you next week.